Paul's continuing to build his case against mankind. We're moving from what we studied last week, verses 18 to 32, of idolatry to immorality. So Paul was explaining that there, what had taken place was the heart of man had gotten too big and the will of man had gotten too big that uh, man had rejected our creator. And uh, when, when man rejects his creator, then what happens is we put ourselves in the place of the creator and as the one that's going to reign in our hearts. And Paul goes on to describe uh, how bad they got from their, uh, from their uh, idolatry, where even in their idolatry, they're building things and they're making things, right? We're in, in our uh, Wednesday night study, we're in Exodus, and soon we know is coming is the golden calf. Right, just the, the the little things that man will will fixate ourselves on, and we'll look and go, well, okay, I'm going to make something. I got to make something to look at because then I can worship it. That doesn't make any sense at all, right? If we can just sit there and and create something and worship it, right? Uh, Isaiah mocks that, you know. Isaiah is basically, as the Lord is uh, speaking through him, uh, he's saying, "Okay, so you're going to chop down a tree, you're going to take the wood, you're going to make something from it, and then you're going to take the leftovers and you're going to cook your breakfast with it, and uh, and then you're going to, you know, make this God and everything. It can't do anything. It possesses no power, right? But in our mind, we fashion something to go along with what we desire to worship." Right. So there's always a sinful desire attached to these idols. You know, it, it's never the, the God of mowing people's lawns and shoveling their driveways or, you know, serving other people. It's always power. It's always money. It's always lust. It's always something. Right. So when we consider what man does, so the, the idolatry and then that the, what's happening in, in the heart gets played out. And it turns to, from idolatry into immorality. And Paul lists this whole long list of people, right, as, as he's in the end of Romans 1. If you need to go back on it, uh, then, then please go back and do so. But we see the sin that results uh, as, uh, that comes as a result of, re, of rejecting our Savior. And, and it says in there uh, three times uh, near the end of Romans 1 that God gave them over. He gave them over. He gave them over. Uh, we looked at Hosea chapter 4, where God says that Ephraim is given to idolatry, let him be. And, uh, you know, that's uh, it, it, because in the stiff-necked and hard heart, they're not willing to turn. As God's pulling them and, and saying, no, come to me, they're not willing to hear God. So they're rejecting, and God says, okay, go ahead. And he, and he let them go to the point where that's that's uh, the that was the... Um, the, the conduct that they were uh, that they were expressing in their lives. So uh, now uh, Paul doesn't end there. He says not only those people that need to repent stand guilty before God, but also those that approve those lifestyles and those sinful uh, sinful things that they're conducting themselves in. So now Paul is moving from unrighteousness and he's going to address self righteousness. Um, uh, that's, that's quite a thing to, uh, to consider. There's a lot here that as we're reading, um, that, that can be sobering for us. You know, some would say that what we're moving into in chapter two is, is Paul addressing pagans. But, uh, but essentially, uh, when you see even in verse 17, he's talking about a, a Jew. He's speaking to, to the Jews, uh, because what would the law mean to Gentiles who don't have Moses law? It doesn't mean anything to them. 
So what Paul is doing is he's presenting his case to the Jews that are reading uh, the letter. No doubt the Gentile too, so they can hear, but he's making sure the Jews are very aware of, of what he's saying here. And uh, when we read through the first half of the chapter two, uh, it would be out of context for a Gentile. Uh, so the, the Jews uh, would have been right on board as they're reading through chapter one and everything like, yes, this makes sense. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're good. We're on there with you. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you when you look at what he said in verses 18 and 32 of, of, of chapter one, they would have been right there. Now, Paul moves into the more risky thing and he starts addressing the Jew uh, directly. Um, it, when you consider uh, when I say the risky thing, the, the prophets were persecuted and killed for doing what Paul's doing. Jesus Christ was persecuted and killed for doing these things. So uh, Paul just he's not afraid of the gospel, right? He's not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone to be, who believes to the Jew first and also for the Greek because the gospel came in that order. Right. Uh, so uh, that's uh, when when Paul is, is building this understand uh, what he's doing, this is a very bold thing for him to say, but he already said in chapter 1, verse 16, he's not ashamed of the gospel and he's going to preach it, and, and he does. And uh, it's tough. Some of this stuff's really hard, you know, and if it's hard on us, then consider where our hearts are, right? Chapter uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, therefore, so when he says not only those who uh, do these things, but also those approve of them are, are essentially what he's saying, stand guilty before God, therefore, because of that, Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to, the tru uh, to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? So that, that therefore, again, Romans one thirty two says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only uh, do the same, but also those, uh, uh, so, sorry, uh, but also approve of those uh, who practice them. So therefore, it's because of this, God, it, it, it is what Paul is saying. Because of the fact that anybody who does it and then approves of those people, uh, therefore, he's saying, so everybody who, that, that's, uh, you know, in agreement. So if you're conducting yourself this way and you also approve of those people, you stand guilty before God. Therefore, he goes on to say, you are inexcusable, oh man. You know, he's speaking of, of corrupt judgment. And we're going to get there as, as we go through um, that. The Lord uh, is addressing the fact through Paul that if you're willing to judge somebody for doing that, uh, but you do it yourself. So not only approving it, but now he's moving into do you conduct yourself in this manner? And uh, and so he, he's always uh, what he's trying to really do here is point out the fact that just because you have Abraham's blood in your veins and you know the truth, that doesn't mean that you stand uh, righteous before God. So, so Paul right now is kind of like, here comes the, you know, an unexpected punch for them, you know, because they were ready in, in verses one through, uh, sorry, 18 through 32 and uh, reading through and they're like, yeah, yeah, those Gentiles, those Gentiles. And then here it comes. Whack. And, and, uh, and he's basically telling them, if you guys conduct yourself uh, and you're doing the same thing, then you're actually pronouncing judgment on yourself. 
Because you're judging them, you're telling them what they're doing is wrong, but your your life is is uh, being conducted in the same manner. You know, when we consider other people's sin, uh, you've heard it said here before, and, and Will said it a long time ago, and it stuck with me, so I'm going to keep saying it. It's my sin always looks worse on other people. When I see other people doing it, right? We can look at other people and go, man, I can't believe that guy. And then I can look back and go, oh, yeah, 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 I remember Sin always looks worse on someone else. So Paul's telling the Jews that uh, they do the same thing that they're condemning the Gentiles for. Because in their minds, they were good because they were children of Abraham by blood. And uh, they, they could conduct themselves any way they want. Paul's informing them that, no, 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 you don't get it. You're actually held to a higher standard than them. You're not, you, you, know, you guys aren't equal here. They don't have the Jewish law. You do. And there's a higher there's a higher level of accountability for them, and and because they know the truth, right? Because it says in there uh, that God's judgment is according to truth. God's judgment uh, judgment is 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 just. It's not relative to culture, right? And we talked a little bit about that last week. We can't start changing things that are in the scripture. We can't start saying, "Oh no, well this was written back then." Uh, because, uh, you know, back then uh, this needed to be addressed, but it's, it's 2023, you know, things are different now. And that doesn't really mean what it, what it means. No, it actually does. Yeah. So we can't sit there and try to try to uh, alter what God means by what he says, you know, when we're looking at what he says and, and, and it's straight out, flat out saying that people are conducting themselves because what, what was he talking about? Right. There was the idolatry that led to women in a sexual manner, rejecting men and then and then being attracted to one another, right? And then men doing the same. And and what Paul was saying was saying that they were conducting things that were shameful, right? That that's that's wrong. It's sinful. It doesn't change just because it's accepted later on in culture. No, that what God says. And we looked at the scriptures. Those the scriptures speak very clearly about what sin is, because what that did is. Uh, the result of man's rejecting the creator is man made themselves their own creator and they did whatever they wanted to do and look where it got to a point where if that just continued, where would procreation come in? Right? It's against nature. That's what he's saying. These things are against nature. Do I hate those people? Absolutely not. I love them. I know many of them and I love them so much and I want them to experience the life changing Christ. I want them to come to Christ and I want their lives to be changed. I do, but I'm not going to, I would be hating them if I didn't tell them that it's sin. If I'm sitting there and I'm agreeing with them, right? And we're going to say, no, you no, you can't everything. Then I'm taking part, right? But if I sit there and they're, do you think homosexuality is a sin? And I'll say, let's talk. And I'm going to open the scripture and say, based on what the scripture says, yes. But guess what? And turn, I'll take them to Romans 1. I'll take them to 1 Corinthians 6. And I'll list the list and I'll say, but there's redemption in Christ. Just like there was redemption in Christ for me, the partier that's, you know, doing whatever I want to go do as a teenager. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's pretty much I was pretty much all partied out by the time I was 20, you know. <clears throat> but that, I, I could put myself on that list. I'm going, oh, hey, I'm, I'm on that list. How many times am I on this list? Right. So I can look at him and say, I'm no better than you, but I met Jesus Christ. And when I met Christ, all this stuff got washed away when I accepted it. That's the power of the gospel, right? That it can change the sinner, that it can save the sinner and change us. 
we are called to uh, to turn from sin. We can't keep ourselves in it. So uh, we're on, on truth here. Now where it says God's judgment is, is according to truth, uh, it's it's not relative, like I said. You know, it's a, against those who reject God and serve self, who exchange the truth of God, which we read last week also, for the lie. The lie would be man is God, God is not God. Uh, we don't need to trust him. We don't need to listen to him. Uh, we just we need to go do our own thing. Now, Jew and Gentile are brought up here. There's no favoritism in God, right? We just we just read that. Um, I'm trying to think of where where we read that, but yeah, I can't find the verse. It's it's kind of hidden back there. But there's no favoritism in God. The Jews uh, condemn the Gentiles, but didn't hold themselves to the same moral standard, and that's what Paul is addressing. That long list of sins that's in Roman one, Romans one is explaining the sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit. Now, considering addressing sin within the church. Paul wrote uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verse 1. He's addressing somebody who will not, ch will not turn from, uh, from gross sexual sin. And he says, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So when when we are sorry that that, that uh, regarding the the man that won't uh, that's in First uh, Corinthians two, uh, but what are we called to to uh, to cleanse ourselves? Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That we would cleanse ourselves, right? When we look at ourselves spiritually, when we when we reflect on who we are, uh, you know what's the what's the fruit of my life? If we see sin there then that's the Holy Spirit revealing sin to us that needs to be changed, that needs to be turned from, right? Repentance is turning and going the other direction. That's what it needs, right? Doing a U-turn. The, the program CRD up in uh, a Calvary Residential Discipleship Program up in Orrington uh, used to be called uh, years ago U-turn for Christ. You would do a U-turn. Your life is headed to death. You need to do a U-turn for Christ, and God is so gracious to, to, to call us. Uh, to those things. But once we understand and we've come to Christ, that there's now something that has to happen in our lives, a cleansing. And so, wait, this was part of my life, my old life as a sinner. This needs to go. Oh, and this too. Oh, this was hiding right here. This needs to go out. All those things need to be cleansed out of our lives. In verse 3, we see Paul's uh, very a prevalent question and answer method uh, coming into play. We talked about that. Uh, and he's explaining that there's no escape, escaping God's judgment on his own for us, for on, on our own. Um, now, you guys ever heard, have you ever been told, uh, maybe as we're sharing the gospel or you're just talking with somebody, judge not, judge not, that right? That's usually the person that doesn't understand the scripture. Their response will be, judge not. Judge not, lest you be judged first, right? We're, yes, I am not the judge. You're absolutely right. I'm not the one to sentence you. But I do know what the sentence is. And if I don't tell you that if you don't turn, then I'm going to stand guilty if I've had the opportunity to share with you. Right? I share in your guilt, especially if I'm approving of it. Right? I need to be able to address these things and be able to share these things. Uh, this is uh, what I actually meant to, to share. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16. But he who is spiritual judges all things. 
yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. He who is spiritual judges all things. We are called. We're supposed to look and be discerning, right? Supposed to look at a situation and go, is this how a Christian should conduct themselves? Yes or no? No? Okay. Then we go in the, the direction we're supposed to go. We're commanded uh, to deal with things that are, are, are uh, uh, sinful and, and uh, be able to share you know, somebody, especially if somebody comes up and says, I, and I've had this opportunity. I, I had a loved one reach out and said, hey, would you have a conversation? Because I, there's there's some stuff that needs to be cleared up. It was an awkward conversation, but it was, a, it was this was years ago. But the conversation happened, you know, and I had to show where, where does God stand on this lifestyle and being able to share that and share the love of God. For the one that won't turn, 1 Corinthians 5, 5 says, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Speaking of that man that would not turn, that that was conducting himself in such a, a shameful way, and uh, Paul is, is just telling the Corinthians, hey, when you got somebody like that, you need to kick his butt and turn him around because uh, you want know let him let him go. Don't let him sit there and stay amongst you because he's going to be a problem amongst the church. So we are called. We are called to purity, and we are called to address it when it comes up. Specifically, and, and especially preachers, they, we, have to, we have to stand there. Otherwise, we're neglecting the word of God. Verse 4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? You know, make no uh, you know, doubt about it. You know, there, there's no question about it. It's God's goodness that calls to repentance. It's never the fact that we've hit rock bottom and I figured out I need to come to God. No, that might be what God used to smack us upside the head to say, hey, wake up. But it's God's goodness that calls us to repentance according to the scriptures, right? It's crazy to think that anybody in their right mind would want to reject uh, you know, this, this good. Look at it. Look at the, what's listed here in verse 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? forbearance and long-suffering. Who wants to despise that? Who doesn't want to accept those things? Right? We're not in our right mind if we're rejecting those things. The riches of his goodness. When, you know, the greatest of the riches that this world has to offer us so pale in comparison to what God has to offer us in this life and in the next. There's nothing this world has to offer us that even comes close to comparing to, one, the smallest blessing from the Lord. Nothing. There is nothing. Because what happens? We think it's a blessing, and then we find out, wait a minute, there was a ball and chain attached to that thing. And I'm now enslaved to it. That's, that's how it works. That's how sin works. So when it says uh, here that uh, God's goodness, his forbearance, his patience, uh, patience and restraint in dealing with man's sin, long-suffering, that means suffering long, that God is going, how long are you going to do this? How long? Are you going to just keep dragging yourself through this? What it's saying is that God uh, displayed self-restraint when he was stirred to anger. He stirred to anger over our sin. So we have a choice here is what Paul's saying. Choice of judgment for rejecting him in his word or accepting God, his goodness, his patience, and his long-suffering. It seems like an easy choice to me, right? I'm, an, I'm a multiple-choice type guy. I hated going in and they were like, what does this mean? I don't know. I didn't study. So I'm going to make up my own thing. 
right? That's what I did. Oftentimes, I remember doing that in eighth grade science class. Why can you get a sunburn when, uh, you know, when it's a cloudy day? Because the rays come through the clouds. That was my answer. Yeah, okay. And he's like, no, you're not getting credit for that because you didn't explain anything else with it, right? But if it's multiple choice, A, B, and one of them's really obvious, I'm going to pass that thing, hopefully, right? That's really, so we can either accept God's riches, his goodness, and his mercy, or we can reject him uh, and, and uh, face his judgment. God so prefers to share his goodness with us over his judgment. We're going to look into several uh, passages here. Ezekiel 33, verse 11. Say to them, this is the Lord saying to Ezekiel, to proclaim to Israel, As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? The heart of the Father crying out. Why? Just turn. He says it turn twice, right? Why would we say something twice, right? For emphasis. Turn, turn, turn from it. I want you to experience uh, the blessing. 2 Corinthians uh, 7, verse 14, probably a very familiar verse to any seasoned Christian. And, but there, this, this, verse is, um, this verse is conditional because it, it starts with the word if. If my people who are called by my name will humble, them, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. If my people, if my people would. I hope my people would is what that really means. Because look at all of what God has to say there. If, they, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and hear from heaven, uh, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's God crying out. Crying out. If the, the, the people would turn, that they would no longer conduct themselves in a sinful manner. It's important to understand that if we're not willing to turn, it's because we're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. God hasn't judged me yet for it, so he must be okay with it. Don't deceive ourselves. Why does the scripture continuously tell us to deceive ourselves? Because we can deceive ourselves, right? We do it often because it's easier to deceive ourselves or lie to ourselves and convince ourselves, no, God's really not mad about that. God knows the good things I've done, and that's going to outweigh just this. No, that's not what we're called to. We're called to repentance. When we're convicted by our sin, God, who's good, right, out of his goodness calls us to repentance. This isn't good for you. You think it is, but it's not good. Turn. Turn from it. Come back. Understand that God is not okay with our sin. He's not. He understands that we are sinners, but he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't want us to allow. Why? Because it separates us from him. It's offense to him, and it ruins our lives. So what of those three sound good, right? <laughs> but do we obey the sin in us? Yes, because we're sinners. But we can't accept that. We can't be like, yeah, I'm a sinner, so God knows it, so I'm still going to conduct myself in this manner. And God's going to be okay with it. God, God will take care of me of, of it, and I, I'll, I'll be able to explain myself. No, that's not what we're we're called to repentance now. Today is the day of salvation, the scripture says. 
We don't result. Uh, we don't resolve in our minds just to say, "No, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing." No, God doesn't want that. Few more things to share with you. Second Peter three verse nine: For the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some would count slackness, talking about the return of the Lord, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody to come to repentance. Ephesians chapter one verse seven says, "In Him, Christ." We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God calls us to repentance and he provides the way of salvation to us through Jesus, through his blood. Two more scripture references. Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And lastly, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord will wait, that he may be gracious to you, and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. It's only God's goodness that calls us to repentance, that leads us to repentance. It's, support, it's all through the scripture. Constantly God's crying out, just turn, just stop, just turn, just stop, come back, come to me, come to me. God is, is crying out and he's made the way. Made the way. Us as New Testament believers, we can look and go, oh, hey, we got the whole picture you know, uh, painted in front of us. right? We have it all here. We have all the answers to every question we have. The freedom from any sin, it's all contained in the scriptures. And the scriptures, they're not just these things that were written thousands of years ago. What does Hebrews tell us? The word is alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful, right? Because when we read these things, it starts, you know, the spirit of God starts stirring us, right? Uh, and, and in different ways. So if we are, are being led to God, uh, to a relationship with him, that the Holy Spirit being next to us and, and, and calling us. If we uh, accepted, the, uh, accepted Christ, then we have the Holy Spirit in us, right? And soon after accepting him, the spirit is poured out upon us and we live uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's where we experience the freedom uh, of, of God in our lives, freeing us from those things. Right? We can be forgiven of those things that were chaining us before. But when the Holy Spirit has his work in us, there's freedom. Where the, where the Spirit is, there is freedom, the scriptures say. So if the Spirit's in us, freedom is in us. Right? We're, not, we're no longer bound to sin. Verse 5, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation uh, of the righteous judgment of God. So the word but is there. The word but. So he, he's, he just got done saying that, that God in his goodness calls us to repentance. But. That's a sad thing to write. It's a sad thing to write. You ever you ever known somebody that you've lost to um, to addiction? I have. Yeah, lost some pretty close people in my life to addiction. If you just come out of that, like, hey, that's not good for you. So, and they're hearing those things, and there's that word, but. That's a sad thing to consider. 
There was freedom in, in explaining the freedom in Christ. But what does it say here? In accordance with... And when I say addiction, I'm not just talking about drugs. I'm, not, I'm talking about anything. All the, the destruction of marriages that pornography can bring. Just, there's so many things, guys. It's sin. If we're not willing to turn from sin, what's going to happen? The result is death and destruction. It just is what it is. But in accordance with, in accordance with, you know, there's God's goodness, his long-suffering. Those things lead to repentance. But in accordance with, because of the hardness in the impenitent heart, this means that God is calling, but they were resisting, is what Paul was saying. Remember, Paul's, if we consider in a courtroom, presenting the case. Saying the hardness of your heart and, and uh, the, your hardness and your impenitent heart. And what is the result of, of, of having a hard heart and not being willing to turn? It's the result is treasuring up for ourselves wrath. That doesn't sound fun to me. Does it? You guys like, hey, no, don't worry about me. Just shoveling some coal in for the coming wrath in my life. Have a good day. You know, if any of us were looking at it that way, we'd be like, what am I doing? Right? Oh, God is so good. He calls us to repentance, right? Treasuring up wrath. You know, we have the option to treasure up wrath or we have the option to treasure up, uh, to uh, store treasures in heaven where uh, moth and rust uh, don't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal, right? What, we, we've got the choice. That's one great thing is God presents to us choice. We have the choice to treasure up wrath or to treasure up, uh, I'd rather have treasures in heaven. Just having experienced his grace, mercy, and love, I'd rather have those. I don't want to stand uh, uh, in, in front of Christ. If you want to look into that, uh, Revelation chapter 20, great white throne, throne judgment. No, I'd rather stand at the, at the Bema throne of Christ and receive the, 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 the rewards that Christ has for me. That I can stand in his righteousness and that he's, you know what, I don't have to stand and, and, and be judged. No, I, I stand in Christ and therefore I stand whole and complete and sinless. You know, that we're washed uh, by the blood of Christ. Verse 6 says, who will render to each one according to his deeds. And then he goes into what this means. Verse 7 says, eternal life. To those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. So for those that are, are continuing in their faith and walking in Christ, there's eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Those don't sound fun to me. Tribulation and anguish don't sound like a Siamese twins that I want to meet either, right? On every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first, and also for the Greek. In the order, right? But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what verses 6 through 10 aren't saying that we're saved by our works. God will render to each man according to his works. So there's different rewards. Consider um, what Romans 3 has to say. We're going to get, get to that. Uh, here next week, but it, it, it's explaining that there's none righteous, no, not one, right? There's, there's, if, if we get what's, what's uh, due for, for our sinful works, then that's it. I, I don't want to hear that. Oh, hey, he's in the none righteous, no, not one group. Or, hey, this one stands in Christ. It's, it's much better to understand that we don't get you know, points with God for reading our Bible 
for coming to church. Those aren't points that we earn. Those are things that should happen if we have a relationship with Christ, right? We, we, we need to be doing those things to be built up, to be edified, right? Those are things that edify our lives. They build up our lives, build up our faith. Being in church, being in fellowship, being in the Word. That's how we grow. That's how we understand the Word better. We can pray together. We can talk together. So we're not going to earn points where God's like, Oh, you did go to church twice a year. Uh, Christmas and Easter. That was me. Right? <laughs> right? That was me. I'll just be honest. Uh, whenever I got dragged there or whatever. But we, the, the understanding and, and what, consider how biblically illiterate this nation is. That there's no understanding of the, some of the basics the scriptures have to say. Right? Do we look at somebody and go, I'm better than you. I know more. No, 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 no. That's not what it's about at all. But I wish, I wish this nation knew the basics. Just knew the basics. We'd be in much, much greater uh, spiritual shape. Can't try to earn favor with God. We can't stand and go, well, you know, I intellectually believe that God exists. I intellectually believe that Jesus Christ came uh, and died. Uh, I, I believe that, uh, that God is the creator. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Having those things intellectually in our brain are a good place to start, but that's not where it ends. Right? Because what does James say? Even the demons believe and tremble, right? They believe all those things. It's is my life in submission to him? Have I have I submitted my will to God's? And guys, that's as we know, it's it's only to our betterment. We may think we're losing something, but we're gaining, you know, uh, what what good is it a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? Right? I want the opposite. I don't care about this world. I want I want to gain uh the the uh everlasting life that God has for us. Verse 11, I said there is no partiality in God. I was getting ahead of myself earlier. For there is no partiality with God, it says in verse 11. Peter said in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever hears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. King James Version, if you have a King James, it says is that God is no respecter of men. I kind of like that way. A little bit better. It's kind of more of a, hey, God doesn't respect you, right? You know, we're, we're nothing in his eyes. We may be big men uh, in, in this life, but God, you know, to God, nothing. You know, scriptures teach us against partiality and favoritism. James 2 verse 9 says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. And if we're showing partiality towards somebody who's rich because we can get something from them, you know, or we're showing partiality to the poor and saying, look, rich guy, I know you're right. I know they shouldn't have broken into your house and stole your car and everything, but they're poor. You know, you can, you can afford to fix your door, right? You can afford to fix the car that they cry. No, it's, we can't look at things that way. We have to look at things as God judges uh, in truth. Verse 12, for as many as have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of, of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do uh, by nature do the things in the law, although not having the law, are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written on their heart, in their hearts, 
uh, their conscience either bearing witness and between uh, themselves, their thoughts, uh, accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So Paul is saying that those who have sinned without the law will perish without the law. Those who have sinned with the law will be judged by the law. There's no difference between them. The, jaw, the, the, the law of God. Now this law of God, what we're seeing here, uh, described here, it means that everyone's included. Uh, no one stands righteous before God on our own. Verse 13 is saying that it's not about nearly, merely uh, hearing uh, and, and understanding. It's, it's because we can hear and reject, right? We can hear something and reject it. So it's not like, yeah, I knew that, and then we're good. We talked about that uh, already. But it's, it's literally about hearing and doing, as it says in verse 13. So what can come? Now remember, he's talking to people that have... They have the law of Moses, and they understand the law of God, right? The law of Moses is how they were supposed to conduct themselves as a nation. And what he's explaining to them is it's not enough just to know. It's not enough just to know these things. Because if you know these things, or it, and even if you don't, you're just going to be judged by them. It's not merely uh, hearing. Uh, it's hearing and doing. So, uh, when he's he's talking here, verse 14 says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the, do, uh, the things in the law. So when they don't have the law of, of Moses and, and the prophets, and or they're showing the, the law of uh, the work of the law of God. Remember chapter one, right? The law of God. Right? And and what were they what was being rejected in in chapter one? That God exists and that we're supposed to be subject to him. But we've rejected him. Now, if these people understand these things, what he's saying here is if, if they don't have all the things you have and they're doing the right thing and you're not doing the right thing and you know all these things, then you stand guilty because there's a greater accountability for them. You know, consider here, but where it says here, but by nature they obey the law, having it written on their hearts. You don't have to tell somebody killing somebody's wrong, right? There are things that God writes on our hearts. That we just know we're wrong. Right? The stealing. Right? You ever watch kids? I was amazed. I was at a, at a, a guy's house yesterday. A friend was buying a guitar app. I was amazed because they have this kid that I know is old enough to climb up and get onto the counter. And there's a whole bowl, like a bowl of M&Ms. And I'm like, how do they keep that out there without the kid, you know, getting on there? Because what does the sin flesh, flesh want? M&Ms. Right? Thin canly shell with chocolate in the middle. Right? What does our flesh want to do? But we know in our conscience, I know it's not right, so when mom and dad leave, I'm going to climb up. Obviously, I guess next kid learned, you know. Our conscience, our internal com uh, compass, are either going to be condemned or justified uh, by that um, as, we, uh, as we consider what we're facing in life, what what's being presented for us. There's always the argument, what about the man on the island that's never heard? Well, this answers it, right? What was the law that was on their heart? If they, if they looked and they're mad at somebody and they know it's wrong to haul off and nail somebody right in the nose, they know it's wrong and they do it, then they're wrong. And they know that. That's it. like, it's all, we, we know some of these things by our nature that it's not right to just outright uh, just say, I, I want to hurt somebody in this way or the other. We know that's wrong. 
Paul's dealing with that. Notice it says here that, uh, that he's talking about the day of God's judgment. Judgment, and Nothing is hidden from God. The secrets of men. Secrets of men. You know, truth is revealed. You know, men can't get away with anything. We think we can on this earth, but there's really nothing we get away from, uh, away with in front of God. There's nothing. He knows all things. I don't. I just don't want to stand there and try to explain them all. I'd rather just be like, oh yeah, uh, I'll take the easy way and accept Christ, and then I don't have to speak for these things. I don't have to stand in judgment. And uh, I already we, we know we're guilty. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. God is calling us to a relationship with him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want religion. He doesn't want... Religion is man's attempt to reach God, right? He doesn't want that. Because it's never going to be enough. It'll never be enough. He wants us just to accept his free offering and come to him. But God doesn't want robots. He wants our hearts. We even talked about that last week. Verse 17 Indeed, you are called a Jew, and uh, rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know his will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind. You see some sarcasm being written here? <clears throat> a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and the truth and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, and uh, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. That's a tough one to read, <laughs> right? So he's like, yeah, you guys have been all, and, and I've already said, hey, no, I'm talking to everybody here. And now it's specific to them. And the Jews, when, when reading here, what he's saying is the Jews are just as guilty as the Gentiles. They're just as guilty because they do the same. It's powerful because the Jews considered Gentiles to be dogs. They have nothing to do with them. Wait a minute, you're equating me to those guys? There's a lot going on there. And Paul's addressing their fact that their faith and trust was just in their blood and in the knowledge of the law. And notice what he says here. He uses some examples, uh, in, uh, specifically uh, adultery. What did Jesus say about adultery? If a man is to look at a woman and lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. The sin's already happened. Is that a green light to say, well, it's already happened, might as well go into it? No, absolutely not, right? No, absolutely not. That's not what's happening here. 
They, when, when he's saying these things, hey, you're telling these people to do this, but you do the same. You hold them to a higher standard and you act like you're not doing these things. What did Jesus have to say about, about this mindset? Matthew 15, 14 says, let them alone. They are, it's talking about the religious leaders. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch, right? I don't want a blind person being my guide through a maze, right? Or, hey, we're going to walk near the cliff. Go ahead. And, you know, the person that can see is supposed to be the, the, the guide, right? Hey, don't go over there, right? Don't, don't do that. Come over this way. There's danger over there. But what he's saying is, is if, if, if you're telling them, hey, there's danger over there, and you're, you're neglecting the fact that there's danger over there in your own mind and in your own life, you are just as guilty as them. He's got a lot to say here. And, and what he's saying is in their misrepresentation of God, because the Jews were the ones that bore the name Israel, right? Governed by God. It's in their name. For their misrepresentation, he says that for the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Ezekiel 36, 22 says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not, uh, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. There, there's a, a, uh, as they're going along and they're, uh, they're conducting themselves in these manners, all these nations are looking going, I thought these were the ones that were governed by God. I thought these were the ones that were carrying God's name. And we can fast forward thousands of years and look and go, I thought the Chris, I thought that guy goes to church every Sunday. This guy's the one that was sharing with me something from the Bible. And 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 here they are, and they're they're saying, but this is a part of their life. He's saying that the name of God is blasphemed for that hypocrisy within our lives. It should not exist. Like I said, some of these are spiritual kicks in the teeth for us, right? They're hard. I don't necessarily look at that. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that one hurt. You're not going to need a tooth implant after that one, right? That's just what it is. Sometimes that's that's what happens. The, sp the spirit, uh, it, it corrects us, right? Uh, the, the word does, sorry. The, that the word, the spirit does through the word, obviously. He corrects us. We need the correction. Let's finish the chapter out. And he's continuing to address the Jews specifically. Verse 25 says, For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So this trust in, in my own flesh, right? Verse 26 says, Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous, uh, excuse me, righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you? <laughs> That's, these are fighting words, right? Who, even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law. Like you're God's special people. And you've got the word and you've got the written code within your life because you're uh, a descendant of, of Abraham. You've got all these things. But if this guy's doing uh, the things they ought and, and you're doing the things that you ought not to... And, Okay, so what does the circumcision mean? It was just an outward thing, right? We're going to get into that here in just a minute. Where are we, 28? Uh, for he is not a Jew who was one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. 
But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men but from God. Circumcision is an outward symbol of the covenant God uh, had with Abraham and for his children, that that, that symbol of the covenant. And the Jews, what is being addressed here is they trusted in their works and their outward expression of their faith. And Paul is saying, you can't do that. You can't say because, oh, I've got this and I've done this and I believe uh, intellectually this thing that I'm good to go. That's not what it's about at all. What he's saying is, is if you're of that mindset and somebody else uh, and you're conduct conducting yourself, your life in sin, and somebody doesn't have all these things working for them, and they're obeying the word, then you're the one that stand guilty. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, you guys believe this, but sorry to break your heart. You know, and that's that what he has to say. So I have several verses uh, and scriptures to share with you. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. It says, uh, another one of uh, times of God crying out, If you will return, O Israel, says the Lord, return to me. If you will put away, and if you put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved, and you shall swear the Lord lives in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness. The nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him they shall glory. For thus says the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground. And do not sow among thorns, right? Why would we want to take seed and throw it among thorns? Doesn't make any sense, right? Circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your heart. You men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of, your, uh, because of the evil of your doings. God crying out. The circumcision of the heart. Jeremiah 9, 25 and 26 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will punish all those, all who are circumcised with the uncircumcised, Egypt, Judah, Edom, people of Ammon, Moab, and all who are in the farthest corner uh, who dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. In the heart, do you, are we, we're getting this, right? It's all about what is the conduct, what's happening in, within your heart. That's the important thing. God doesn't care about the outward. He doesn't care. Like there, there are people that would be completely appalled if they come to this church and we're not in suit and tie. There are some people that will be. Or if I show up somewhere and I'm in jeans, or I, you know, if my wife were to go to a church with me and she doesn't have a head covering, or she doesn't have the skirt, doesn't have her hair tucked up, they're going to say, oh, these things. What does God say? You know, God judges based on what's inside, not on the outside. God doesn't want religiosity. God wants and desires an intimate relationship with each one of us. And he offers, you know, the freedom in Christ. As we, uh, we want that relationship, we just have to ask for it. God, I don't want to be a sinner anymore. I don't want to conduct myself like that. I've seen the result of that. I want what you have for me. Please forgive me. Wash me clean. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. Done. That's it. That's it, uh, the simplicity in Christ, right? Just to finish this up, regarding the outward appearance uh, and the inward being awful, being dead uh, inwardly. 
Jesus Christ uh, spoke of it as uh, people that were conducting themselves outwardly uh, and, uh, hey, they look great on the inside, uh, but he says that inwardly they're whitewashed tombs. That, hey, you can make the tomb look really great, but what's on the inside is still dead, right? That's, that's the point. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verses 27 through 28, says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like wash, whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lewdness. Mark uh, 7, verses 6 through 9 says, But he said, uh, they answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, Jesus speaking again, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far, far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Lay, uh, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things, circumcision, he had said to them, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. He's, quote, he's quoting Isaiah 29, 13. God doesn't want boxes checked. He wants our hearts. You know, these things that are being addressed here, he's like, hey, you guys can do all these things. You got all the rituals done. You got all the stuff. You can, you know, come to church. You can do all these things. Everybody thinks you're great and all those things. doesn't matter if you don't have a relationship with, with God. Lastly, John the Baptist uh, shared this, uh, Matthew 3, verses 7 through 9. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, sons of snakes, not the warmest of greetings, right? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not think to yourselves, uh, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, God is able to raise up Ab uh, children to Abraham from these stones. It's not about what we think we know. It's not about what we practice. You know, hey, I'm, I'm doing the, I'm checking all these boxes. The, what it really comes down to, really comes down to, is do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have we turned from our sins and are we walking in, in newness of life with him? That's what it's about. God doesn't care about what's on the outside. Even those, the, the religious ones, the Jews, that had the right blood, that had circumcision, that had the law of Moses, that, that understood better the, the law of God, the, big, the bigger things, right? They understood some of those things. But they still had hypocrisy in their life. Doesn't, none of it matters. None of it matters if we do all those things and we don't have a relationship with Christ. This is quite an argument Paul's building and he's made. And we all, if we stand outside of Christ, are fitting right into there, right? Hopefully have come out of that in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, Lord, that we don't have to fear your judgment if we stand in your righteousness. Just having believed in our hearts and confessed with our mouth Jesus Christ as our Savior. We thank you for the, the redemption, the freedom we have in Christ. Lord, help us not to misrepresent you. Help us not to be hypocrites, being blind leaders of the blind. Those things that Paul was addressing uh, with the Jewish readers, those are heavy things, and we don't want that to be said of us or true of us. 
I'm going to be sincere in our relationship with you, blessing you by the way we conduct our lives and our love for you and our relationship with you. Please continue to do your work in us. Your spirit purge out anything that doesn't belong there in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace.